You're listening to The Table Talk with your host, Anthony Irvin, a.k.a. Spoken Light. Tune in every other Thursday starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with me and a new special guest live on Facebook and Twitch. Without further ado, let's start the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Table Talk. This is episode 31. How are you guys doing? I hope you guys are having a great, great evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you are watching this episode. Thank you all for being so supportive of the show. I want to give a shout out to my Patreons, Bernadette, Dave, and Mary. Mary actually just had a birthday, so special happy belated birthday to Mary. And if you guys want to be part of the Table Talk community, Patreon is where it's at. Uh, if you want to go check out some extra bonus footage and extra perks, go to patreon.com slash table underscore talk, and that'll be listed in the description of this. And tonight is actually a previously recorded video. And we will be, uh, when this comes out, it'll be about another day or two. So by the time you guys are listening, this will already be out. So I am, was able to sit down and I have a wonderful guest tonight. Uh, we go back a long way and I've been able to, uh, you know, try to keep in contact with him throughout the years. We played a couple shows together back in our younger days and uh, he's been touring with a uh, pop punk band and we'll be getting to more of... Uh, that band and more of his touring stories and everything. And also, if you guys are not already, make sure you guys uh, are subscribing and following the show, Table Talk, on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Music. Uh, be sure to uh, give us a review. It really helps out the channel and helps us throughout the charts. You know how it goes. And without further ado, let's get into our special guest tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Giuliano. Hey, Mark, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. How about you? Doing good. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. This is awesome. I like was watching the intro because obviously I can see everything. And you had a lot of our uh, friends on. It's actually really uh, pointless and ant. And yeah, that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, man. And a lot, a lot of people that we, uh, you know, kind of grew up with. Because uh, I, I, uh, for one, uh, was in PA when I was actually joining the uh, Jersey music scene, and mm -hmm. uh, I met a lot of like-minded people like you and from the uh, New Jersey scene who I actually still keep in contact with uh, through this day. I had made a lot of, you know, good friends, and it's always fun to, uh, you know reminisce and chat with everybody and uh you know the guys in groundless and everybody and uh i had david mm -hmm. earl on and you know he's a really oh, david earl david earl's my <laughs> buddy man he, he's a good guy he's a great great guy I, we have so many awesome stories and he's he's helped out goalkeeper in, in so many ways like we're forever in debt to that man and, oh yeah yeah um, man no, no better guy I'd rather be in debt to than David Earl anyway. So oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we, we met uh, through Warp Tour, and we were both uh, in the Battle of the Bands to play the Ernie Ball stage. There, or the it was the uh, acoustic nice. basement. It was the acoustic basement stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, we both didn't know each other going into it. And I saw this uh, David Earl experience and we're kind of like neck and neck between. I'm like, who's this David Earl experience guy? I've never heard of him. <laughs> and then he messaged me. I messaged yeah. him. And then, you know, long story short, we became best friends. It was awesome. 
yeah, and his, his show is an experience unlike any yeah. other. So when we actually get to play his birthday show this year, uh, we missed it last year. I can't uh-huh. remember why we missed it. We rather like touring or no well last year the pandemic but i don't count the pandemic year because that just like doesn't exist um (laughs) we all lost that year right um but 2019 i don't think we were able to play because i think we had like another show that we couldn't like there's like a radius clause or something like that and Uh but we try to play his birthday show every year and and thankfully um our fall run that we're doing starting next week actually ends on his birthday show like day two mm. or, or whatever on that saturday so it actually worked out where we could actually not only end a run in home because we usually end runs kind of far away where we end up using sunday as like the drive day home which always sucks uh-huh. so we got to end it at home but then also for his birthday show with so many awesome bands that we're friends with um like well him and cut the act and we get uh-huh. to do and the band we're on the run with stage moms actually gets to play as well so we're really stoked to introduce them to uh david earl and like, nice. how he does shows and everything yeah i remember cut the act they actually uh we actually played a show together on the trocadero basement stage and uh i was playing a oh, gig and they were on they, it was like yeah. i think when they were just forming because they're was uh, it the- I, Praying Mantis shows, yeah, like one of the, one of those, like where he like booked out the main stage and uh-huh. everything. Yeah, was it Steve something. I can't remember. Steve, Sir, uh, Steve Sermensky. Sermensky. Yep. There you yes. go. Yeah. We 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 did a couple of his shows too. He was a good guy. He gave. He's a, a ve- he's a very nice guy. Me and him go uh, really far back too. Uh, with, especially mm-hmm. with my first band, uh, he got us to main stage the Trocadero uh, stage. I think like two or three times. And we we sold out that place every single time. We we were like packing that place. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a big venue too. Uh, what twelve hundred people? So good for you. Yeah, I, and we I we we, we uh, yeah we definitely had like close to a thousand people when it came to us, and then we had a lot of pe- a lot of other bands that uh, helped you know uh you know buy tickets and you know or sell tickets, and I think mm-hmm. it was like uh just about eight to nine hundred people that showed up. Still and, massive. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That would sell out the TLA. Yeah. That, it was, and I think we had a point where we had a, a chance to do the TLA, but it just didn't work for us. And, uh, but, gotcha. you know, uh, unfortunately, just like, you know, a lot of local bands, uh, we, we didn't really keep at it and we, uh, you know, had creative differences. But, uh, yeah. yeah, Steve Semensky, and even when I started doing a lot of solo stuff, I reached out to him and I was able to play on the main stage as a solo act too. So that was pretty big for me as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just from being on, on a band stage, and from being, you know, a, a rhythm guy, just on, and then being there all by myself, it was definitely scary the first time. But you know, oh, actually yeah. going there and doing it a couple of times, it was definitely a, a an awesome memory. And uh, the Trocadero will definitely be a venue uh, I'll, I'll never forget because I shared a lot of memories at, at that venue. It's a travesty that place shut down. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, we would we would absolutely play the balcony for like a holiday show or like a big hometown like goalkeeper show if we had the chance because. Uh-huh. You know, as much as it was a pain in the ass to like get down there and find parking, and obviously yeah. there's step, there's you know thirty six or forty some steps, whatever oh, it was, yeah. to get up. I do not to get miss upstairs. Those steps. <laughs> no, I mean we were the band. We played there once as goalkeeper, and of course, you know, lugging up the eight ten and yeah. uh, the, the big four twelve guitar cab and drum yep. sets and merch. But mm. honestly, it's like 
it sucked in the moment, but I think if anything, this pandemic has taught us to really appreciate even the bad with stuff that you loved. And so, absolutely, you know, I look back, I look back, and I'm like, you know what? As much as I used to like complain about how like the steps suck and the parking uh-huh. is awful, and and all the people would like not really want to come to see us play shows there because of how awful it was to get there and everything. Yeah. It's like, you know what? At the end of the day, though, you know, I'd give anything to have that venue back because there's just no venue. There's very few, I should say, there's few venues in the city that have that same type of, like, vibe and played such a pivotal role in the, like, punk scene of Philadelphia. Because, I mean, they're the ones who gave my old band our first, like, real, a couple of our first real venue shows in Philly. Mm -hmm. And back then I was we were so young that I didn't know anything. Like I didn't know how to book a show. I didn't know how to reach out to people. Yeah. I didn't even, you know, and you know, we were just jumping on anything that we could play, whether it was like a Willow Grove PA, like VFW show or something in Delco, like the rusty nail or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they, when we actually were able to get, get connected and kind of learn how to like talk to promoters, uh, Steve, and some other promoters who would rent out the balcony were the first ones to give my old band a chance to play like a real venue yeah with real sound and like you know everything and and uh, of course steve also gave us the opportunity to play the main stage and stuff too um and he took care of bands uh, a lot especially if uh and he wasn't even necessarily a guy like oh if you make me money i'm gonna take care of you he 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 took care of the bands that he knew needed the spotlight. And if you, it, it wasn't necessarily always about like, Oh, how many tickets can you sell? I mean, if, if mm-hmm. you were, you know, if he knew you guys were good on stage, but you guys had a need a little bit more help uh, selling tickets, or if he knew he just needed to get you into a bigger audience to get, he, he would help you out so much. And I, I got to give him so much props for, you know, mm-hmm. boosting us, just like you said, giving us time on the main stage. And, uh, you know, yeah. he would even be the one to recommend, like, if he saw one of us or any types of bands that would be recommended for uh, national act shows, he would, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tell the actual you know, Live Nation or whatever bigger companies, you're like, hey, I got this smaller act and I think they would fit one of your uh, upcoming national acts coming through and, you know, check them out. And so he, he would definitely take care of the bands that definitely deserved it, whether it was, oh, and it absolutely. had nothing to do with the fact that, oh, well, they just, you know, not necessarily sold it out, but oh, they just made me this amount of uh, cash and I think they'll make you. It's more like they deserve it and mm-hmm. that I definitely think they need to get the push up. So shout, oh, shout out yeah. to Steve. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, the last Praying Mantis show my old band did, which was a Trocadero main stage kind of like local showcase thing that he would put on. Uh-huh. That's when we. That's when I actually met Cody, our drummer, because he used to be in a band called Hansford from South Jersey, and um, okay. it was <laughs> we always joke like it was funny like it was us and them between like the headlining spot like who sold the most tickets and brought like the bigger audience and. Yeah. Um, I think Cody remembered saying like, Oh, we've got this. <laughs> and then I don't know where like we, we sold like a lot more than they did. And he was just like, what the hell? And then, um, <laughs> you know, and you used to think you're some big shot. Like we had the main, so we had the headliner dressing room and they had like, oh, the yeah. share dress. You, you used felt to like a rock star. Such, 
<laughs> you did and you definitely you definitely at such a young age had the fucking mentality of like yo we're sick because we just like oh yeah headlined a local showcase on a main stage oh yeah of, we like... thought we thought we were you know metallica <laughs> up there like like you said had had the main stage dressing room the green room and everything like no you guys can't oh, come yeah. in here this is only for main stage people this is only for the headliners. yeah <laughs> yeah and of course like you know you walk in there and they're like yo like where's the drinks and the water inside the fridge and the, the venue <laughs> yeah. staff's like shut the fuck up right Right. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it was I cool to live in the moment <laughs> I, it was yeah and um you look back now and just like cringe but all right, i had to make those mistakes and be that much of an asshole to kind of like be yeah. better now right um but uh, yeah so i mean that's where i met cody and that's when our friendship really kicked in and so uh out of necessity again like saying like because i didn't know how to book shows with other promoters at the time um me and one of our future drummers of the band we actually started booking shows ourselves and that's how i kind of got into that uh-huh. and so hansford was like a go-to band of mine to book because right. i was friends with them i knew they pushed really hard and they would bring people out and um what was it so i would book shows at like independently book i wasn't like an in-house promoter or anything i would like right. rent out the voltage lounge or the fire mm-hmm. and stuff like that and the fire yeah. is when a lot of the shows i was booking were happening and um after my old band like i quit my old band and uh kind of influx in between like projects and stuff um uh-huh. i was doing a show and i had cody um he was like, I'm like, yo, I need a band. And he actually introduced me to Ryan's, our singer and bassist, his old band, um, uh-huh. Another Day Wasted. I booked them a couple times. And then that's actually how the three of us met. So it kind of all started with the Steve Sermensky show. There you <laughs> me go. Me and Cody became friends, kept the friendship going. And then, you know, he introduced me to Ryan and then uh-huh. we became friends. And then, you know, to to tell the long, the long story shorter, you know, out of necessity, like not necessity, but like, Ryan and Cody were out of bands. I was out of a band. We did like a cover show together, and that's how like we ended up forming Goalkeeper. And it just and was clicked. kind of like, yeah, this clicks. We should start something. Yeah, you really did because we were. It was we were all friends before wanting to be in a band together. Like, uh huh. Every like, and you know how it is with a band. Like, yeah. if you get two bands together, you know this person connects with that person. This person connects with this person, and yeah, because of personalities, and that's kind of what happened. Like. I connected with Cody the best out of the Hansford guys. Now I'm still friends. We're still friends with a lot of the Hansford guys. They still right. come out to our shows. Um, I, you know, we were invited to their guitar players like wedding, and nice. you know, we still hang out with the singer and stuff. So, and then another day wasted. I connected with Ryan, and uh-huh. so um, when I needed a band, I couldn't find one. Me and Ryan decided to do like a cover project, like where we just covered the band, like cl- like cliche pop punk bands, like Sure We're Going Down and all that stuff. Yeah. And then we needed a drummer, and the only drummer we knew who was we thought was good and knew all the songs already was Cody. And then he was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Yeah. And then um, we had so much fun. And then after that show, when Ryan and Cody said that their bands broke up, we're like, "Well, why don't we form a band? We had so much fun." And yeah. then, like, let's not take it seriously. We tried to do the serious band thing, and it didn't work out. Like, I, although none of us like toured or did any of the shit that a serious band actually does. Uh-huh. Um you know, we're older now, let's take a break. You know, Ryan had a full-time job. I was in grad school. Cody was in college. Gotcha. And then, and then, uh, I think starting the band with that mentality helped a lot because Mm -hmm. then like, as we, you know, kind of grew bigger, we're able to grow with the band 
and not feel the pressure from like the first practice of like, so we're gonna form a band, we're gonna go on tour, we're gonna record all these music videos and go to a high-end studio and spend all this money. It's gonna take all this time. Are you ready? And then immediately all of us would have been like, fuck no, like go away. Right, exactly. But just with nothing more than the goal of just like, yo, let's just be the fun pop punk band and all the touring bands hit up to play their shows and we bring a couple, we bring a decent amount of people out. Our songs are funny. We're goofy and we like to party and that's it. <laughs> and I get that vibe. I mean, I was listening to a lot of uh, your music the other day, watching the uh, music videos, and I got that vibe from you guys. The you know the typical pop punk band says, "Hey, we're here to have fun, party." And like you said, like, we just want to be that band that, you know, other bigger bands just want to have on because they know, one, they're going to bring people out, but they're a fun time. You know, because I think that's, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really have the touring experience like you do, but I know for a fact that a lot of bands uh, are encouraged by other bands that they're, they know they're going to have a good time with on, on uh, tour because, you know, the touring life is, you know, not as cracked up as a lot of people think it is. Uh, yeah. But it's just, you know, if you have a lot of, you know, good vibes and personalities out on tour, it's it's going to make things a little bit easier on the road for you guys. Oh, for sure. And I mean, we made some of those mistakes, like some of our beginning runs, like weekenders and stuff, when we would do it with like, we would do them with like certain bands. Um we would definitely think about it like, oh, this band would be good because like they're up and coming and they rule. Yeah. But then like you didn't really connect on the run with them at all. Like you spend more time separated and mm-hmm. like, if you don't have the lasting relationships you thought you would have. And excuse me. So now we do base it off music, right? So we're like, okay, like who's kind of like kicking ass that we want to like listen to every night. Mm-hmm. when we're like doing like the diy runs and stuff but then yeah. also like are there any is there anybody that like we feel we're actually like friends with and we want to spend 10 days with sleeping right. in a stinky van mm-hmm. and parking lots and and eating like crap and drinking and smoking a whole lot um which is why the most recent run we did in september we did with our friends friends and no, no pun intended friend circle uh-huh. um from south jersey because we've been homies with them for so long and they're starting to tour and stuff now so we're like no better band to take out for this run that we're doing to celebrate like our ep we released last year than them and it was the best time awesome. like we it was it was the first time we played tour pranks on each other <laughs> you know we were supporting each other every night like we got to see them like you know break out of their shell like they challenged us to be better musicians because like we're not the best Cause we just, we focus on having a good time, but yeah. like they really, cause we played after them every night. They're such good musicians that we realize like as much as we want to go up there and have fun, we also can't be sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they really pushed us to be better musicians too. So it was just like, that was single-handedly the most fun like run we've ever done. And so that really set a precedent for us of like who we bring out on tours right? and like who we, who we want to do stuff with because if we feel like we can't hang out in a parking lot, drink beers and just have fun and goof on each other, like it's why are you doing something with somebody for like 30 to 10, 30 days or whatever it is? Like, uh, you know, you have to have more in common than just like, I like your songs and you like ours. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so, you know, the only like real, I guess you could say touring experience that I've had is uh, when I was in my uh, other band in Jersey, we went out to Ohio to record our uh, EP at the time. And then the guys nice. that were out there, they had a, uh, I think it was a forever 
Terror, Forever in Terror, there was a band out there, and the uh, guitarist was, uh, you know, he had uh, made his own studio called Vibe Studios, and he was friends with a couple other people out there, and uh, there was another band that they were connected with, I think it was called Fallen Captive, and they were, mm-hmm. you know, all, all playing out shows in, like, the Cleveland area, and we went out to see them one time. They asked us to come back out and play a show. So we went out there and, you know, did, like, a whole weekend's worth of shows with them. And that was, like, uh, my experience of, like, tour life. Because, you are you know, you do the whole, you know, okay, pack the, you know, top ramen, get th- this and get that. You know, all the cheap stuff mm-hmm. you, you go out with. And uh, we, we were out there for a week uh, for our uh, EP. And, you know, it, it was fun. And it was a fun experience just being out out of our comfort zone, especially for me, because I'm so used to, you know, just going to a studio that's very local. And you mm-hmm. you can go home and sleep in your own bed, where like this time it was like, okay, you're it was the whole studio was in like a garage area. Where, you know, you had the studio and you had a live, like, you know, garage area room. And then the other section was just where you chilled and went to bed. And uh, so, yeah, and it it was a typical, you know, you know, time of like, you know, you you don't have, you know, the comfortable bed. You don't have, you know, the uh, places where you'd be like, okay, well, I can go home to a home cooked meal. You're either uh, snacking on fast food or something. And, you know, if you don't, you're you're just uh, SOL. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the goalkeeper was the first band. Like my old band did one run together. We did like a week from like, tampa up nice and it was cool but that was when we realized we hated each other which very <laughs> much happened which very much happens on on tours and i can imagine i can imagine you, you you really start to know certain people when you spend obviously spend mm-hmm. more time with them but especially on the road you get to know people more oh, yeah oh right and like and not only just like their their living habits which can be really gross if you have like a gross band member who like doesn't shower or brush their teeth or yeah isn't very clean uh-huh. um, but also just like their personal beliefs and values and morals because when you're just driving for hours on end you're just looking for stuff to talk about like you know you're on the road things just get thrown your way and you start to kind of like unveil your belief systems and stuff like that that can be a real real impact especially if you're finding yourself like yo i didn't realize you had <laughs> that in you like shit mm-hmm. I don't think I'm comfortable being in a band with you right now. (laughs) Um, You know, and so it was funny, like goalkeeper, again, we started off very, you know, let's just have fun. And we did the studio local was called Overlook Studios out in um, like the Willow Grove area. Overlook Studios. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Wagner from Victory in Numbers. It Hmm. was his studio. Um and so like we did our first three songs there and you know we just did like the music you know just like simple music videos like our first video ever was shot on mostly like an iphone and dslr camera which was uh-huh. fun um and uh so we released the songs and we started to get quote-unquote traction mm-hmm. you know like people around philly were like yo i actually like this song leftovers right and oh my god the song pond partners is actually really catchy and fun <laughs> and so we started getting to be asked to play more and more shows and uh-huh. people started to come out and it was a lot of fun and we were really bad we had a horrible <laughs> sound cody had no idea what he was doing on the drums like he knew how to play drums and keep time but like yeah 
he had to learn to be a pocket drummer, like put gotcha. fills where they're appropriately supposed to be. Not every second and fourth uh-huh. beat you're throwing in like a, a, a crazy fill. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we had two bigger opportunities. So like, you know, like we got to play the foundry uh-huh. and, that actually it was only one song that we messed up and i've told the story a thousand times so i won't like delve into it but it was just like a cover song we like messed up pretty bad but the rest of the set wasn't awful you know we played a little fast because we weren't on a click track at the time uh-huh and uh and then we played a big festival in pittsburgh and that was like this arguably top three shittiest shows like we've ever played i mean like humiliatingly bad and we were on the same like lineup as like the starting line in state champs and dangerous summer right and it was, we should not have been there our friend was a friend who books that event and books that festival out there was, i think was trying to hook us up because like i've hooked him up so many times in pittsburgh and i greatly appreciate the opportunity but looking back we should have had enough knowledge to not we should have had enough knowledge to be like yeah we're not ready for this you know but we're young we're dumb we're excited holy shit we get to play this big venue we get yeah. to play this big show right. i would have done the same thing and not many bands yeah. just like you said not many bands talk about the bad shows and uh that they've had oh, yeah. that really made them realize we need to you know that you learn you learn from the bad shows when you ha- oh, yeah. and then when you have like your bigger moments of like this show was stellar every like we were in the pocket you know vocals were on point i didn't miss a step crowd was into it and then so you get to those big things but you can't get to those big things without having those times where like yeah you remember that show where we just totally bombed and you can't believe we we didn't get booed off the stage you know well and like and after that set i was convinced of like either quitting the band or just like straight up telling the band like yo we're not going to be a serious band. So if we I've get had serious those things off- too, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if, if we're going to get serious offers, we just have to tell them no, like we're going to be the basement, you know, local venue, Philly band where we can get drunk, fuck up and it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know? Um, but surprisingly the guy who ends up being our, our producer for the last, you know, two EPs and now our full length that we're working on, uh-huh. um, Kevin, Kevin from uh, hit the lights. He's a guitarist. Oh, nice. And, um, and he played Polar Bear Club, and he's the bassist in Joy Wave now. Uh-huh. Um, he heard our song, Pong Partners, and like they hit the lights, was on that same festival. Uh-huh. And as we're feeling completely defeated and humiliated and like we don't even think we should like be a real band, he like meets us after the show and was like, hey, dudes, awful set, but I love – what you're doing don't give up and we're like you're like the first real like successful musician we've ever any of us have ever met and actually had a conversation with let alone compliment compliment like our band you know right and then it was in that moment we like went home and regrouped and we're like all right if we're going to take this seriously we have to take it seriously like we have to go to a real producer real studio yeah upgrade all of our gear, get better merch, start touring, you know, change our lives, change our fucking lives to like be more indicative <laughs> to touring. Yeah. Which we did, which we did. I mean, I finished grad school, but then when I got my first job after grad school, I quit because it wasn't it wasn't available for touring and stuff. It was too full time. So I Yeah. went off to work a job where I control my own hours and can still make a good, a good salary and, you know, tour as much as I want. 
Yeah. And then Ryan left his full-time job to start his own business, which is doing well. Nice. Nice. Presumably. And Cody finished college, but he stayed at the job he was at because his boss is a, is a musician or what, like was a touring musician. So, so he kind of gets it. That's cool. He, he makes enough money to pay his bills, and then his boss gives him as much time off as he wants. So That's cool. Um, it, yeah. And so then that's when we like decided on the studio, which was out in like Paducah, Kentucky. This was all like bad times don't last there. And, um, you know, Kevin ended up, offering to produce the record because he lived down by that way and that's how we end up working with him and continue to work with him mm-hmm. but really long story to get to the point where it's like we've never spent more than a weekend together as a band <laughs> <laughs> and then our the first thing we do is take like 20 days <laughs> mm. to go or not 20 like 18 regardless it's 18 20 no different um so we go down to Kentucky to record Bad Times Don't Last, and we're there for a full like 14 days. And then going out, we did our first little weekender where we played like Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. And and so adding those two days plus a day in between for travel to get to the studio and stuff, we were essentially out for about yeah about 18, 17, 18 days. <laughs> yeah. And the the guy who we recorded at the studio he had it in his house he like built out his whole basement and an extension to be like a mat like a really really good professional studio and one of his bedrooms he built to be a band room uh-huh. that had access to like a shower and had like bunk beds so like he could offer free housing for the bands too at his place cool and so never knowing more than a weekend <laughs> with each other we go out <laughs> for like 18 days um <laughs> You know, and a lot of firsts, a lot of firsts. We realized that Ryan snores like he's a <laughs> damn elephant. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, we realized Cody cannot exist without music playing all of the time, no matter what. Hmm. <laughs> um, they realized that I am incredibly, like, just, like, on time, on time, on time, and da, 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 you know? And, um, but it ended up working because I think that each of our personalities also fit the role of the band. You know, uh-huh. like I'm the I'm the business guy of the band. Yeah. You know, I don't really do the main writing. So me being super punctual and like this has to get done by this time and very timely and very organized. Actually, yes. as much as it might piss them off or they might text each other privately, like I'm going to kill Mark, talk me down. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, I, I was always that PR guy on my band too, and yeah. uh, I I was always the one the PR guy, the doing the show bookings and and like you said, they just let me do it because they knew I was kind of good at it. And even being solo, yeah. uh, you know, I was already good at doing it through the band. So I'm like, all right, well, this is gonna be cakewalk with me doing my own yeah. stuff. And so yeah. you know, I do my own bookings, doing, uh, you know that. But the only thing is, you have to be the songwriter, you have to be the producer, you got to be the the booker and everything. But you know, yeah. uh, if you like what you're doing, it doesn't feel much like a job, you know. No, not at all. That, and that's one of the things we talked about too. As a band, I think really helped us jive really well. Which even though like that first trip together, it didn't yeah. even come close to breaking us up or hating each other. Actually, it made us grow a lot stronger together. That's awesome. That's what um, it's all about. The very beginning of the band, we talked about roles, mm-hmm. you know, because we all were the, the leaders, quote unquote, yeah. of the bands that we were in prior. And the problem is, as you know, when you know you're in the, the non-serious bands and stuff, the quote unquote again leader, 
they tend to wear many hats. They wear the promotion, the business, the songwriting, the everything. So when we actually kind of took a step back to really see what each of us was strongest at, as much as they all knew business, I was the best at music business. I was the one who, I, I still do it to this day. I will probably after this, I will pop on some sort of interview with some manager or agent or something and just hear them talk about the industry and learn. Uh-huh. You know? um, and so they're like, all right, yeah, Mark's dedicated that shit. Yeah. <laughs> him do that. Now, is that and what then, you went to school for or did you go to school yeah. for something else? No, I'm actually a therapist. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, my knowledge of the industry came from my obsession of just wanting to know more about it and just love gotcha. to talk to people. Um, and pick their brain and not being afraid to ask questions. Um, uh-huh. Some sometimes to a fault, but um, and then so Ryan, he was the best at art, right? So he does all of our artwork, or he knows how to outsource certain designs to people. Like you know, he he knows like I got this like you know Excel sheet of fifteen different artists, and this is what each of them are good at. So if I can't yeah. do something, I know who to reach out to. Gotcha. Um, and he's also his main job is like social media and like marketing. So he runs Facebook and Instagram. Um, cool. cause of like ads and all that stuff. Yeah. And he's also a predominantly main songwriter cause he, uh, he just knows how to be, he's a creative, you know, so he just writes songs and, uh-huh. and stuff, but he writes really cheesy stuff. So he'll be the one that's like, you're my sunshine on a cloudy day. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then flash forward to Cody. Cody is very much like in tune with like what's hip. So uh-huh. if we're trying to find like, that's such a lame word hip anyway, um, 30, <laughs> um, I hear but it. like <laughs> they, um, but sorry, but he'll sit there and be like, so this merchandise piece is like popular right now. Like we don't have that, like we don't have like dad hats. We should get dad hats or yo, let's get a hoodie. But instead of just doing the basic screen print, what's really popular is like the nice, elegant embroidery in the center of the chest. So let's do that in a unique way. Yeah. Um, and he's also he's a wizard on Twitter, so he really knows how to like utilize that platform well. Yeah. Um, he run and he runs our merch store because he's really good at like connect. Like we're all really good at connecting with the, the people we meet. Um, but he just has that Cody touch when he's like writing a thank you letter to a like a fan who bought a T-shirt. So he handles all the merch orders and stuff too. Um, and then he's also a, the main writer of the band as well. But Cody is much more like metaphorical and kind of deep with his stuff. Cool. Yeah. So he knows how to be like, Ryan, that's too cheesy. We should say it this way. And then Ryan knows how to say, Cody, you're being too confusing. I think we can simplify it and say it this way. Right. And so they, they perfectly mesh with the songwriting, you know, and yeah. uh, write the songs that you hear. That's awesome. And uh, it's great to know that you guys found that early on and you know to know that okay we we all can't do everything like like we all we have to know what our strengths are as a band like you're the business guy so hey i'm man enough to say that i i can't do that you if you're if you're gonna uh do it the best way you gotta do that and if you know you're not the best songwriter but i have a hand in songwriting uh, you know, I'm going to take dibs on the songwriting. And like you said, you have to kind of let your ego at the door and whatever's going to okay. make the band sound the best and get the, the most done. Then, you know, I think, like you said, that's probably what separates a lot of the uh, the local bands from the bands that try to start forming and being more serious and getting to that next level. Because like you said, 
everybody wants to be that lead person and uh mm-hmm. sometimes egos and a lot of things get in the way because it's like oh yeah. well i wrote this uh but it never got used why don't do you guys think i'm not a good song i mean no we probably just thought this was better so uh, i mean we liked what you did but this kind of like how you were saying with uh you know cody and uh uh, the bass player that uh, you know he writes more of the you know soft cuddly uh, words but then Cody can you know kind of bring it into a more metaphorical way and you know mm-hmm. kind of and then you know they kind of work that out so it's it's great to know that you know uh, from your band standpoint that you guys have roles and you guys know what your roles are and it just flows through and and you know and then it comes out in your shows too that you uh you guys have this bond and you guys just know what to do when you're on and off stage so it's great to hear oh exactly yeah and like we always say if someone's like ego is getting in the way like if ryan's like no like i think this is what it needs to be and me and cody are like nah dude that kind of (laughs) sucks (laughs) <laughs> or even like, or even Cody or myself, like I tend to be pretty egotistical with like business ideas and what we uh-huh. should do. We do have to check each other once in a while. And be like, "Yo, your ego is showing," and they're like, oh, "Fuck." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just and it's excited. good to have that type of relationship where you guys can, you know, say that to each other and not seem like it's like you guys are, you know, being rude to each other. You're just like, okay, you're just yeah. checking me. Okay, I got you. My bad. Instead it's, of it, it's, it's all it's trust. That's what it comes. There down you to. go. I, yeah, I, you guys trust each have... other, and you guys have the confidence to know that. Okay, if he knows yeah. that I'm not in the right headspace, he's gonna check me and be like, okay, I'm coming down. And instead of it taken as a wrong way, because again, when it comes to that, some people may not be able to take that the right way and be like, oh, well, what's, where's he coming from? You know, no, I mean, it's just, you know, we know when this guy is not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So, hey, you know, circle back around and let's get this mm-hmm. thing going. Yeah. And, and, and it's, yeah, like I said, when we developed it to be like three best friends and the only reason we don't hang out all the time anyway is just because we all live like an hour away from each other. We like a uh-huh. triangle um but i mean we still hang out even even so i mean cody comes up to philly to see like shows with me and um same with like ryan and stuff but yeah it's just it's just trust you know we, we very much established in the beginning like excuse me hiccups and more beer burps um <laughs> if i'm if i'm saying something it's not because i'm just trying to get my way it's because i genuinely think it's what's best for the band absolutely you know and, and sometimes when we fit we hit like uh especially in writing we'll, we'll hit this most of the time in writing um because the business conversation it's kind of easy like everyone just has to be on the same page so if i say oh i want to go on like a, a three-week tour to texas mm-hmm. ryan and cody have to be okay with that like yeah. and because like it's their lives too so if they're like look man like we want to do it but we just don't think it's right let's compromise and maybe instead of doing texas then let's do like northeast you know yeah. for 10 days okay cool you know they're not trying to like hurt the band they're also just trying to keep everything balanced because that's how we've been able to continuously grow yeah and the same thing with like you know ryan ryan definitely loves to talk like big big picture with like music videos like oh we can do this 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 yeah. and this and me and Cody are like, yeah, that sounds expensive though. So like maybe mm-hmm. we can do this, this, and this instead where it's still powerful. And it's like, Ryan wasn't trying to make us spend all of our money. He just had a really big idea, but me and Cody realistically couldn't do that. So it's like, hey, we're trying to compromise because we can still show growth without yeah. destroying ourselves. You know, and that's the other way bands um, tend to break up is they don't they don't find 
you know, um, like a compromise with one another. They just, it's like all or nothing. And then yeah. sometimes people are pushing themselves beyond their means. Right. And then it's not sustainable. Even well, even bands I see all the time, like, oh, we invested 10K in this record and 20K in music videos and 5K in like marketing material. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you just spent 25 grand on your first record. So you're basically telling us you're going to spend 25K or more every release you do. Right. Well, that's not sustainable. Right. <laughs> Exactly. So you so you just you kind of just blew your air all right now, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to sustain that because, as you know, and as most people know, the bands that kind of come out of nowhere and then just have the spark and take the hell off, they're an anomaly and very far few between. Yeah, like real. You know, it's usually the bands that have to like develop the relationship together. They have to grind it out. They have to play that there's nobody shows. There's bad shows we talked about earlier. Absolutely. Um, And grow, like, you know, make it, you know, grow and then go to a point where you can sustain that. So we know, like, we can go to these level of studios and work with these types of producers every time because we've gotten to the point where we can afford to do that every time. Yes. You know, we're not going to record with this awesome producer. And then the next record we're recording with a Jimmy John from yeah. Philadelphia in, in his basement because we spent all of our money to record with this guy. Exactly. It makes sense. You know, yeah. you're, you're not going to, you know, like you said, you're not going to record with a, a well-known producer and make your one record, you know, spot on. And then the next record be like, well, we got to kind of, you know, bring down our spending limit. And then you're going back to a local one and like, oh, well, the quality went down. So, you know, it's like you got to have, you know, certain step ladders to be like, okay, what, what's our, what's our spending limit and what's our best, you know, ways of getting the best quality for the price that we have. And then, you know, you want to get to that level, but again, you got to be realistic. Do you want to, you know, spend the, the more amount of money? And then, like you said, you, then you got to, you know, try to sustain that. And there's no way you're going to try to sustain 25 grand every release, you know, especially for a local band. And I, yeah, and sometimes even with the label support, you're not going to because guess what? Budgets change depending on how well you do, believe it or not. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't yeah. just get 50K every record regardless of how you do it. It's usually yeah. the scale. Like we'll give you between t- like 10 and 30. And if you do really well, you'll get 30. If you suck, you're going to keep 10. Yeah. <laughs> so, absolutely. But like, you know, but it, all, and it, it comes, you know, and that trust was developed through uh, communication. Like we very much value healthy communication with one another where we can be realistic with each other we trust you know we're coming from a place of caring and love for one another and the band that if i say something or ryan says something or cody you know we're not sitting there being like oh fuck you you're just you're just out for yourself it's like yeah no not at all and um a lot of people don't have those healthy communication skills. I mean, it also helps that I'm a fucking therapist. <laughs> so <I'm laughs> yeah, like, so it, it, it comes in handy. So, <laughs> it, oh, it does. And it actually, yeah, even with songwriting too. Um, but we've never fought as a band. We've had heated arguments and disagreements. Right. But it was because we were passionate about the ideas we were coming in with, not because we thought you're against the band or you're trying to just be selfish right now. Um, because one thing we've realized, because we've all come from bands with members who were very selfish and it mm-hmm. just destroyed everything. It destroyed the morale. Yeah. We see where we go, we play shows with bands now and we've played shows with bands who are signed and doing big tours who are, wow, that member of yours is selfish and your band's going to implode at one point. And mm-hmm. huh, guess what? It does. So yeah, 
just just making just making a lot of vows and promises together to like not be certain ways and always keep communication and splitting things equally all that stuff just plays into it with um you know and i think one of the things i actually i actually learned this um not too long ago uh-huh uh, not to keep it, not to keep rambling, but one of the nice. things I feel like helps is there's this psychological and um, neuro topic, neuro like psychological concept called flow. Uh huh. And it essentially means like you're you're just kind of like in completely ingrained in like what you're doing, and you're not really trying to seek the validation from like outside. So like in a create in, in like in a creative standpoint, let's say you're writing a song, you're just flow of consciousness with the song you're working on. You have your phone away, your distractions away. Um, you don't have the song you're trying to rip off <laughs> in a separate <laughs> browser. Right. You know, you just focus on that, and that's actually what helps with um, the creativity. With that creativity, not only for the art that you're creating and just, you know, which create, which helps it be unique because you're not like, it comes down to like, you're, you're paying attention versus seeking attention. Right. So a band who's like, oh, I'm going to rip off state champs because they're really popular right now. And that might sound really cool if I do it this way. Well, you're just seeking attention. So then yeah. you're compromising your art and then it's not as unique and you don't see the successes. But when you're paying attention to what you're doing, you're able to actually really have this, again, flow of consciousness where you're able to be kind of unique and be creative and not feel as binded. But mm -hmm. with that same concept of creation also comes the creation of communication with one another. So when I'm actually paying attention to what Ryan is saying mm -hmm. and what Cody is saying. I have that flow of consciousness where I'm actually, again, not seeking attention from them by trying to like turn the conversation about what I want or what I think it's best. I'm actually paying attention to what they are saying. And then uh -huh. they are actually paying attention to what I'm saying, which helps bridge healthy communication together. And then it allows us to also then be more creative, you know, going forward. That's an awesome concept, man. I, I've never seen it like that. And, you know, it, uh, especially how you were putting on the fact that you're not necessarily trying to rip off another band because, you know, state champs has their own sound. Nobody wants to hear another state champs. They want to hear somebody that has their own originality. It's one thing taking influences from bands and saying like, oh, well, I can see where they maybe got that one song or that you have bands that sound yeah. like other bands, uh, maybe not spot on, but like, okay, well, I can see the influence right. of what they took from those, but you want to keep your originality and being unique and you know, sometimes it could be hard because, you know, a lot of people, their first thing when they hear a band is like, who do you sound like? And, you know, sometimes you want to say certain bands, like, because I've always been with my music is the fact that, and especially, especially with uh, a lot of my bands, like we've never really tried to truly sound like anybody else. We, we had our influences, yeah, but we never really had that type of attitude to be like, we sound like this band. Like we yeah, sound, we sound like ourselves. Here's this breakdown that a day to remember would do, and it would sound cool. Like, right, you know, they already did that type of, uh, you know, type of thing. Because, and, uh, you know, if you want to hear a, a an ADR breakdown, go to one of their shows. But you know, we can do that all night. 
but you know you want to hear originality you want to hear uniqueness coming from a band that if you're going to mm-hmm. see a new band you don't want to hear them play you know the headliners type of type of music because that's their set you want to hear okay what's this band about you know i can you can respect the fact that okay well I can see where their influences come from and, you know, where they probably are heading down, but you, you want them to uh, be remembering you for your own unique songwriting and seeing how you can, uh, you guys are a pop punk band. You don't want to be just another pop punk band. You want to be changing the game and, and having that pop punk feel, but something different and what makes you guys different than any other pop punk band. You know, so that's I think that's another thing that keeps people going. You're always bringing something new to the table. You're always experimenting and bringing something new to the genre instead of just being another cop out of a of a same band. What and what also that concept of flow really talks about, too, is about being creatively fulfilled as well. Mm-hmm. So you might have a song that, you know, might kind of sound like a blink song or a four year strong song or if you're, you know, whatever other genre band uh-huh. you're in. You know, but when you kind of really have that flow of consciousness going and you're just paying attention to what you're doing and not really being distracted by anything else, you know, you feel more creatively fulfilled, even if it's like, oh, that kind of sounds like uh, that's really that's really uh, relative to Blink-182. It's like, all right, cool, but I'm creatively fulfilled because I did it. I didn't do it with the intention of ripping them off to try to get success off of what their tricks and tips, but that's just what happened. And again, right. like that whole concept can flow into different things. I know I, I reference communication, especially between bands, even people. Like I will feel fulfilled after a conversation because I was paying attention. Uh-huh. And I then I was being paid attention to when it was my turn to speak. Yeah. Versus trying to seek attention, you know. Right. And sometimes like we do that in conversations with people where it's like you might say something outlandish to be the bully. Mm -hmm. to push someone down right you're in an argument and all of a sudden you're saying stuff that has no relation to the conversation but you're just trying to belittle the other person to be domineering and get your way right that's seeking that's seeking attention so you don't feel as fulfilled because even if you got your way you know that they don't actually agree with you and you kind of always realize like yo that person probably isn't okay with this or just going along with it yeah but when you actually have like Again, when you're paying attention, when you're you know having that concept of flow, uh-huh. and you have that communication, you feel fulfilled after the conversation. You feel heard. You feel like you were hearing the other people, and then you got to a um, a conclusion together where you both actually feel satisfied. You can leave the room feeling like, "Yep, we're on the same page. I feel good." <laughs> That's awesome. The con- concept of flow. I- I'm gonna definitely uh, put that in my that. cards. I-, I really, I really like that concept, man. That was an awesome, uh, you know thing to talk about and yeah I, I think that i think more bands should kind of you know take that concept of being able mm-hmm. to pay pay attention more to your bandmates instead of uh not necessarily just trying to get your way but listening to what they got to say and then you know uh take their opinions and then just how you can uh add on to that instead of like you said just hearing what they got to say but then your mentality being like yeah that's cool but this is what i think you know yeah exactly yeah and and like again just being completely i actually in the in the little group chat i sent you the link for uh the psychology of flow um mm-hmm. just being completely in like engrossed again into what you're actually doing and paying attention and it can actually be even um deeper than just 
you know, listening to the song that you're writing and adding parts or listening to what people are saying. It can also be like actually recognizing the physical symptoms that you're also experiencing too. Uh-huh. If it's, um, like if you're recognizing you're getting angry in a conversation, like feeling like your body heat kind of like tense, you know, rise and like your body being tense. So it's like, okay, I'm realizing I'm getting angry. I need to do something to not be angry and pay better attention to the person talking to me so I can understand what they're saying. Right. You know, yeah. it's really, really cool. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt actually does a really cool TED talk about it too, if you're hmm. interested. Yeah, man. I- I'm always interested in learning about like little uh, concepts like that. I- I've learned to explore a lot of different, uh, you know, things like we've been talking about, just, you know, certain... Uh, you know, therapeutic and, you know, ways of certain conversation, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. learning to pay attention and kind of see, instead of just seeing one sided in just one way, kind of seeing both ends of, uh, of a story and, uh, not just always assuming there's one way to a conversation that, you know, just because you hear something, it, there could be another way it could be portrayed. There's always, uh, you know, something to take from a story. You know, and that's what I've been kind of, you know, learning with uh, kind of being more open to conversation instead of just seeing it one sided. Yep. Yeah. And I and I was definitely that way, too. Like before, back in like the old bands, I would think I knew everything, you know, so I, even if someone would try to give me advice, I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> I sold 100 tickets to the Voltage Lounge. What are you doing? Oh my god! But, it, it you know, sounds so tough, much like tough, my first band. <laughs> I, was, I was such a prick. I'm still kind of a prick, but I feel like I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm less of a prick, like know it all, but more of like a prick where it's like, yeah, no, like don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna talk myself into a corner and make myself look bad. So I'll shut up there. Yeah. But and I've had more, I, I've had so many people come up to me before, and you know that are younger than me, and you know, that have either seen me in bands or they see, you know, me with my music stuff. And they're like, yeah, man, I really look up to you because I see you're doing a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, it's it's inspiring for me to know that people look up to me and, you know, think of me in that type of way. But I'm like, I'm just a regular guy just trying to, you know, be a performer and write some awesome music for people. And, you know, I take it with all the gratitude because, you know, I always think of the on the level of like, success i've always, i always talk about this with a lot of people that you know i've always thought uh when you're when you're a kid i'm pretty sure you can agree because we've had we kind of seem like we have a lot of the same mindset when we were kids of like you always think success is like you know selling out the madison square garden or playing that big festival and that's like or selling millions and being a platinum selling artist and stuff but then as you get older that success like tower starts going down down and down and down and not because you start seeing that like okay you may not be that big famous musician but like you i think your sense of reality starts hitting you that you know a success can be more uh than just playing for millions of people it can be success can just be like i was just mentioning inspiring a uh, upcoming musician that sees you and says hey what what do i have to do not necessarily to get to your level but i'm trying to just start out can you give me any advice if i can help out somebody that uh was at my level i wish i could have had that type of advice for that can be success you know there's so many levels to success and you know over the years i've I've been able to, I guess, edit and update my 
level of uh, meaning for success over the years. And, you know, I think it just comes with more maturity and more sense of uh, coming to reality. But I never really feel it's like um, I'm just coming down because I know I'll never get to that level. I may never get to that level. But, you know, the sense of being able to realize that helping others that are and I can't really say below you because I think I feel that's uh, you know rude to say that then nobody's below you but like people that are just you know starting out you were everybody's was at that starting out level and I, I feel you can always inspire other people and uh, help them out too because everybody wants to play shows if you're a musician everybody wants to you know uh, get out there and play for a couple people and you know if you can help out just one person to get them you know get the ball rolling for them that that's just as more inspiring as you know playing for a a, a big like sold out crowd of people for sure and i think yeah like when you're young you're chasing ego like that's what it yeah. is right you want to be like i always saw that that's a um, high school reunion effect right where it's like in 10 years i want to go back to my high school reunion and be like a huge mega star like, yeah you know i played guitar and you know high school and i was in bands and all my friends all the kids in school like laughed at me so i want to go back in 10 years and be like yeah like, look at me i yeah i'm a look at me now. selling recording artist you know, but then when you get older and you start to realize what's actually important and it ta- it's, it comes from experience. It comes yes. from, you have to learn that stuff. That's why they always say like, <laughs> kind of like trust your parents and people who live because mm-hmm. they just have more experiences to kind of teach you the importance of things. If they're level-headed, I'm not going to say every parent is great, but, right. um, <laughs> you know, but like being like, you know, turning 30, like I know I'm only, you know, it's only been like a couple of months, but there was like this click in my mind where it was like so many things don't matter anymore mm-hmm. like the the friend who wants to block me on facebook because i didn't listen to their music or something right away and they're being petty about it it's like i, I guess i don't need yeah i don't need to be your friend that's fine. right Whereas, were you, like, were you really my friend in the first place anyway if it yeah know, and, you, and a couple of years ago i probably would have like messaged them and apologized and tried to keep the friendship going or right maybe been fighting with their friends about like just starting drama like you know like what you do as a kid because you're again you're chasing ego how dare you not want to be friends with me what did i do to you so i'm going to try to blah 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 blah. yeah but then it's like again like this light kind of went off it's like all right that's how you want to be okay see you i guess (laughs) whatever right um and you know stuff like that and then again like changing your definition of success do does goalkeeper still want to be the band that sells out football stadiums Fuck yeah, we oh, do. Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh yeah. But Hell if yeah. you told us that if you told us in five years we would have a very lucrative we would have a very comfortable career of being able to sell out venues like the electric factory is like our capacity and we both were paying our bills with our music and putting some money away for our future. Cool. I'm stoked for that too. Absolutely. You know? Or or, or just the fact like even if we all had like full t- I mean, again, I, we like to speak things into existence, so we always try to say like when we're doing this, that's a Cody thing. Um <laughs> But again, but like, again, speaking more realistically, you know, the possibility of not being successful and making music, the only career you have is very possible. It's more likely than making a career, but maybe I'm a full-time therapist, but I still get to play music with my friends. Right. You know, and get to, every time we play a show, it's like, you get to see people you haven't seen on a regular basis because they come out to see your band or especially in like different cities and stuff. So um, that can be success too. It all kind of depends on where your headspace is at, um, and everything. And again, you have to learn that stuff. I, if you, when I was 20 years old, man, like I told you, I was 
ego, ego, ego. Mm-hmm. I want to be the big star. Yep. I'm, a, and I'm not a big astro, uh, astrology guy by any means, but I will say Leo to the fullest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, all ego all the time, thinking you're big shot, thinking mm-hmm. like your music doesn't, like nothing you do fucking sucks. And everyone else right. is like, oh, you see, you see that shitty show? Like, yeah, man, we're better than that. Yeah. And then you, then you realize you're like, no, you kind of suck too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we would be looking yeah. at bands on our bill, and you know we would be watching them because we would be playing after them, and we'd be watching them. Be like, we're we're, we're better than them, right? You know, we're we're way yeah. better than them. That's why we're on the. Yeah. That's why we're higher on the car. We're the, these guys can't even yeah. touch us. You know, we yeah, got we got wireless suck. guitars. We got wireless guitars. We were uh, doing the full stacks. We wanted to be the the band to be like, you know, if you guys are, yeah, you know, I will say we had a live show that, uh, you know, we had a great live show that if you guys came, you were being put on a show. That was our thing, and that's why we wanted to do like the whole wireless guitars. We went out into the crowd, and like you said, egotistical to the T. And mm-hmm. but then you know you get to that point now. There's like. Yeah, we were we were very assholeish to a lot of people, I and mean, you know, we had our friends that were in another band, but and I had the guitar player on here on the podcast uh, about a year ago, and you know we were talking about you know that yeah we used to think that you guys were our rivals and we wanted to outperform you guys, and it was never about that, but you know we we always uh, in the back of our minds like we always wanted to blow them out of the water, but. <laughs> And yeah, it's just funny I mean, I, how... I will say some friendly competition isn't the worst thing. No, it's really you know, not. Like, like again, when we went on the run with Friend Circle, there was a little bit of competition every night, like who performed better because, like, yeah, yeah it's like, all right, we got to step up our game. We can't go up there and look like jerks. They played yeah, so well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the same thing for them too. It's like, all right, like we're playing really well, but goalkeeper, you know, maybe they're being goofier and jumping around a lot more than we do. So we got to mm-hmm. kind of step up our game. But that's also like that's not competitiveness in the sense of like, you're my rival. That's like yeah. friendly, friendly, like, yo, I bet I can do this cooler. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what like, you know, like when we were growing up and we had our friends, like you'd skateboard or something and we like, you know, see each other on the weekend. Like I learned to kickflip. Oh, well now I got to learn to like heel flip. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's always it's like, fr- always friendly like competition this- is, di- is different than just being yeah. egotistically, you know, like bashing like, people, yeah, the fact that like, oh, yeah, you think you're yeah, better yeah. than everybody, and, yeah. And also, um, and also, like, uh, there's a big difference. I talk about this a lot in like psychology in therapy uh-huh. because we're kind of taught that if you have confidence, you're an asshole, mm-hmm. you know. But if you look down upon yourself, you're pathetic, and that's right. a very, very unsettling, like mindset to have that the american culture really teaches us as we're growing up uh-huh. um so there's a difference between like and so i always say like we can be confident you know like when we so we played with bowling for soup a couple weeks ago and awesome we were direct we were direct support the show sold out we had a great crowd that you know i and, and i'm saying this out of confidence like i know like the crowd loved us they cheered after us when we played and when bowling for soup announced our name to give thanks to us like place went nuts we had crowd surfers like mosh pits like it was insane it was mm-hmm. great sold a bunch of merchandise but and so we felt like yeah we earned our spot here you know we we pushed we wrote the right we wrote good enough songs uh-huh. we connected with people we were genuine. So we feel confident that we 
deserve to be here. Now, we didn't say we deserve to be there more than anybody else. Yeah. Because that's where you get into the ego. Because it could have very well been any one of our other friends, you know, whether they have less monthly listeners than us or more monthly listeners than us or whatever the fucking case may be. Yeah. But we would have been supportive of that. Holy shit, like, cut the act out the show. Like, that's absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. Like, congrats to them, you know, or Pointless or Groundless, whoever. Like, hell fucking, we're going to buy tickets and go. Yeah. But, you know, so that's the difference. Ego is we deserve to be here more than anybody else. Confidence, healthy confidence is like, okay, I feel like, you know, we've done the work to earn this spot. Mm -hmm. Not more than anybody else. But we did our work to earn this spot. And so let's like seize, I mean, not to be kind of cliche, let's seize the moment. Let's yeah. jump around, go crazy, be good, I totally be, agree. Be, you know, pr- prepare. And that's what a lot of people don't really, aren't really taught, you know? Uh-huh. Again, confidence is like, oh, you're an asshole. You're a Leo. <laughs> like, yeah. No, like I'm confident in my ability for my band to write good songs and to perform well, but I'm not going to sit here and say we, des- we deserve it any more than anybody else, you know? So if we get an opportunity... We're going to appreciate it and do the yeah, best we can. Absolutely. And if we don't, we're going to still support the best we can. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, you, you hit it right on the nail that, you know, we, we grew up with a lot of different uh, standards and those are the two big things that, you know, you grow up thinking like, okay, I mean, it, it's okay to be confident, but don't be too confident, you know? And then if you're, so what's that mean? What's the, what's like? <laughs> right. And, you know, it's like, you know, I think you explained it pretty well that, you know, it's one thing confident on a comp one end of being confident of like, yeah, we're so confident that uh, we should be here and we deserve to be here more than anybody else. But then there's another aspect of being confident that we deserve to be here because we worked our asses off to get to this point. We wrote the songs, we connected with people and we got the big show and this is our moment. Let's seize it. Let's have a good show. And it happens. And that's, you know, the confidence that you strive for. And Mm -hmm. like you said, some people may not know how to get that type of confidence because they're so used to being on that other side of confidence of like the ego confidence. And, you know, so yeah. it, and I, and I guess it comes back to like, you know, I guess it comes back to, you know, maturity, you know, you got to have to learn it just like how people learn to be egotistical. You got to learn to like mm-hmm. change your way of like, okay, of seeing certain things in a different way. And uh, some, or some seven years of psychology training, like I do, then you can, <laughs> yeah, or that, you know, just spend a lot of money in your schooling and, you know, being yeah. in, de- in debt with schooling and you can or at least talk about life. it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will, I will say like, I do value that as much as I don't want to be a therapist the rest of my life. Um, I do value the education I got with that. Um, I, I think that's another thing too, is education is not a bad thing. We're no. often taught yeah. that it. We're often taught that it like keeps you from being creative. But honestly, mm. if I would want to, if I want to, if I would went to school for music or music business, I don't think I would love it the way I do because my life would just be consumed. So now it's this outlet for me. Um, I agree. You know, and and again, there are plenty of people who study music and music business and they love it. That's great. I'm not built that way. If I'm like. If I if I if, if I'm one thing all the time, twenty four seven, I I lose my mind. But that's uh-huh. just me. Um, you know, we need diverse. I I need diversity in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, you know, value education because you learn a lot of things that you don't 
like I would have never learned all the psychological concepts and the self-awareness and really because I mean anyone who's taken a psych class most of the stuff is like learning how to be self-aware a lot of like think about this concept for yourself and be raw and honest and like you know writing this essay be like wow I suck (laughs) (laughs) all right I gotta I gotta gotta, like dedicate to change on this one Um, yeah you know and, and stuff like that and you know and for, for, for us, it's actually been really helpful, too, because when we're trying to write songs and Ryan and Cody are really trying to bring out the because we, we're always known as like the happy go lucky pop punk band. But uh-huh. we obviously aren't happy go lucky all of the time. Yeah. So when we were writing like the new record in our last EP, we really want to show like the, you know, more sad side of us, like the more realistic emotions. Like we are happy, but we also have these very real experiences. Oh, and, yeah, um, yeah it was helpful for Ryan and Cody to be able to like console with me and say, Hey, if, if this person's feeling this way, almost like kind of therapy, like I'm feeling this way. So how would I want to express that? Healthy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess having and that then, type of, uh, actually, cause you, you want to express it in the way, but you don't want to be, you know, expressing it in the wrong way. You want to make sure that you're true to what you're saying, you know? So you want to be por- portraying it in the right way. So it, I think your therapeutic background and, and psych background kind of helps to make sure that those lyrics in your songs are being portrayed in the right way and you're putting them in the right eyes and, and singing them the right way. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that's, yeah. you, you can't, you can't get any better than that. You know I mean? Having that type of background to be able to make sure that you have that extra, you know, okay, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, portraying this the right way. The best songwriters and artists and creators in general do their research, mm-hmm. you know, before just like spewing out bullshit because that's yeah. how you accidentally say things incorrectly that ends up being something that you feel very passionate about, but actually is more insulting uh-huh. to maybe to a group of people or, or something like that. And, you know, you never want to express depression in a way that people who really do suffer from it hear that lyric and they say, yeah, that's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why'd you say it that way? Like, you know what I mean? Like you want to be able to like, and I, I guess like for Ron and Cody, that's where like I can come in. We're like, Hey, how do I express this? Or what would a person go through or expect be expected to kind of go through and feel, or what are some experiences you've seen with your clients where they're kind of feeling this way and it's been expressed that way. And it really helps them say, okay, so this is how I can. And it also helps them because it's like, okay, I'm expressing it in a genuine way and not just like putting whatever words that come to my mind that may have been embedded in some form of like, I say ignorance, not uh-huh. in the sense that they are ignorant people, but ignorance in the sense of like, they don't actually know like the right vernacular to say something. And so it ends up being, like I said, like more insulting than actually helpful. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and that's what I think a lot of people, that's what we do all the time. That's what I, I try to check myself regularly of just a lot of self-reflection really paying attention to the way you do things and being a little bit more intentional rather than just like kind of fly off the handle with it you know and um i was very much that way too like growing up like i would put myself in situations that like i could not keep that promise or i would overwork myself or you know again kind of talk myself into a corner where i'm like wow i really made myself look like a dick and i didn't have Uh to do that like like why was i like why was i doing that Oh, right. right. It was ego. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, it's good that we know. can catch it now instead of being still our, like our younger selves and being like, was I being too e- egotistical? Nah, nah, I'm being the right way. <laughs> Where now like, yeah, you're, you're a little bit older and you're like, yeah, I was a little bit full of myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, it's, and, you know, I always say it's better late than never to kind of realize that and like, mm-hmm. make a change, um, you know, and, and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it's been, uh, I can honestly say it's been, it's been good. And being able to talk about this stuff always, sorry, my dog is just like running back and forth. I know, buddy, we're going to go for a walk. And like, <laughs> yeah, man, um, I, I do got to say, this was an awesome talk. I did not expect to, uh, you know, go into this aspect. It's awesome to, you know, uh, talk to musicians. And I know we haven't actually had like a physical talk with each other. Uh, we knew each other, we played shows, but it, it's been an awesome time talking to you, man. And uh, it's good to see a different side of you and outside of just playing music and being able to dissect a lot of different information. And I really had an awesome time talking to you tonight, man. And I definitely want to get Gulk, uh, you and the rest of the guys to come back on the show. We can do a whole another uh, podcast with the band, and uh, you know, before we get out of here, um, so Goalkeeper is uh, working on a new record. Uh, you were yep. saying correct. So, is there a release date sometime next year? Are you guys still in pre-production with it, or no? So we finished about half of it. Um, we don't really have we don't have a release date or anything uh, because. You know, just be honest, we ran into the issues with mixing engineers. Finding right, the right, right. Engineer. Um, this is the first time we really had to go through, like, a lot of test mixes to really find the person who's, like, landing it. Um, so that kind of delayed some things, but it's okay. The record's going to sound great. We're so stoked on, like, what we're hearing so far. That's um, awesome. Our, our goal is next year. You know, we definitely don't want to wait, wait longer than next year, and I think, yeah. like, summertime would be like ideal um, uh-huh. but again it's going to kind of come down to like that stuff but yeah we're really stoked um we're working with a great team uh, i mentioned earlier we get to work with kevin from uh, hit the lights again uh-huh. so this will be the third third release he's been producing for us and we actually we usually go away for several like for a few weeks like in our bad times on last ep we went to kentucky like i said earlier life in slow motion we went to nashville this time around, we actually stayed home and we're working with Nick from Man Overboard over at the Gradwell House. Awesome. awesome. So it's been a diff- it's been a different experience going home every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's definitely been cool, and then obviously getting to work with Nick, who's like an idol to us, and you know to hear him really validate and believe in what we've been doing, especially again coming from someone who's like. Dude, man, overboard's heroes to goalkeeper, not to be all like weird about it, but they are. Uh-huh. And so for him to be like, "Yo, your band is sick," and I feel like you guys are gonna go places if you just keep on the right track. Like, oh, and I want to record your record. Like, dope. Uh, wait, you're talking <laughs> about my band? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're not lying just to get a, just to get a job. <laughs> like, you're you're really you're really mean. You really mean that? Like. <laughs> Yeah, we're so, we're awesome. still so we're still so young that when people like talk about wanting to work with us and stuff, we're still like that paranoid like like up and coming band. We're like, mm, yeah, do you really, or are we just a paycheck to you? <laughs> right? Are they, nah, 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 one we, of those Instagram scams that you get? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, but we but we know he really wanted the record, and we felt that that's why we went with him. And um, that's awesome, man. Excuse me, and uh, yeah, so uh, the plan is to finish it in December. Like I said, we got about half done. A couple of singles are sent off to mixing, finding the right engineer for that. 
and then um yeah hopefully finish in december and then you know all the all the other stuff like music videos and artwork and press and all that stuff mm-hmm. so i think we're we're shooting for a single in like quarter one early quarter two of next year and ideally the record would be out sometime like mid to late summer um but obviously don't hold me to that because things change all the time <laughs> absolutely man yeah thank you for coming on uh uh so where can people find you are you guys are you guys in the middle of a tour are you guys home uh where can people check you out so uh home right now we leave for tour next week we're going from florida and then we're playing fest which is rad first time playing a, a big festival like that and um we're, you know, we're shooting back up the East Coast. We're ending in Atlantic City on November 6th in uh, Beret with uh, David Earl, Hero. Um, and then, uh, but you can find us on all the socials. It's at Goalkeeper Band NJ. I, did we still keep the NJ? Actually, hold on. Let me see. Because I think we changed a little bit. All right. um, we realized we're like two thirds of us are from New Jersey. And. <laughs> we realized that it wasn't as accurate <laughs> to do that. Um, <laughs> and we changed it recently. Uh, no, sorry. It's just at goalkeeper band. So there, okay. there you go. Yeah. So uh, at goalkeeper band, so it's not just at goalkeeper. So yeah, it has to be banned. Otherwise you're going to get a whole bunch of soccer uh, things, which is great because so many of them through so many of those pages and like actual soccer athletes from around the world tag us. <laughs> hey so then every, extra... <laughs> every every time it happens we just send them our ep <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> extra shameless <We'll> promotion <laughs> why why not why not we actually it's it's surprised it's funny we actually have like several people in like saudi arabia who like really like us so we're like all there right you go cool. hey hey there's one one way to get your music out there you never know they might be playing your music out on the uh soccer field you never know <laughs> hopefully hopefully one day man hopefully one day but uh but yeah just you know we're doing the tours all the socials and then uh, all next year we're just spending time touring so if you you know, shoot us a follow you'll get all the updates as to where we'll be and if we're anywhere near you come on out love to meet you yeah man guys uh Make sure you guys are checking out Goalkeeper in a town near you. Make sure to look out for their uh, new album coming out next year. Go stream their music. Give them some love. Mark, it was awesome talking to you tonight. Thank you for coming on with me. We definitely got to do this again and get the rest of the guys on here and have another conversation. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Make sure if you guys like this, give us a follow and subscribe. Share with a friend. And we will see you guys on the next episode of Table Talk, guys. Have a great night. Thank you.